Welcome to the Women on the Rise podcast. I'm Jen Blandos, the founder of Female Fusion, and this is where we look at everything entrepreneurship for female entrepreneurs. Whether you are just getting started or you have a seven or eight figure business, we cover the topics that matter most to you as you are building, growing, and scaling your business. Welcome to another episode of the Women on the Rise podcast, and today I am joined by Aram Kaur, who is the founder of By Aram. Aram, welcome to the podcast. Thank you for having me. I'm so delighted to have you here, and before we jump into all the questions I have for you, I would love for you to tell everybody just a bit about you and about your business. Yes, so... Um, I launched by Aaron, which is luxury hair and beard care three and a half years ago. Uh, we've sold 89,000 units of our oil, which was created by my grandma, which I'm sure we'll dive into a bit later to date. Um, and we hit 1 million in the first year and have continued to do so ever since. Wow. So 1 yeah. million, seven figure business in your first year. Yeah. Congratulations. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. And so you were saying that the it's from your grandmother's traditional recipe. So what made you decide yeah. to turn that into a business? So growing up, so my mom passed away when I was eight years old. I developed alopecia areata as a result of CPTSD, which means that my hair was falling out in patches. Mm. As a young girl, you can imagine that's like very stressful. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Didn't know what was going on. You have a daughter, so. I do. You yeah. know, as 14 years old. Yeah. So cute. Yeah. I need to see a picture of her hair later. Okay. Yes, I will show you. So um, my hair was falling out. My dad had kind of shorn it into a sharp bob because he didn't know what to do with long hair. As dads do, right? You know, it, it was at the barber's as well. I didn't used to go to a hairdresser's was at the barber's. And every weekend I'd go sit on my grandma's kitchen and we would experiment with all different types of formulas and we did the good ones we did the bad ones and eventually when I was 14 we landed upon what is inside the Bayerum oil today and that's a mixture of eight pure oils vegan of course I know you're a fan yeah and it's 100% natural as well wow and yeah. so you started in the UK yes and now you've launched your brand in the UAE as yeah. well how have you found being in in the Middle East because I guess it's not you're serving the whole region from the UAE as well yeah 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 I mean like a lot of people talk about this, but I do see so many opportunities here in Dubai. We were just speaking now. I won the Beauty Influencer of the Year last week, I think on Tuesday. And it was such a moment for me, like as someone from the UK, as someone with Punjabi heritage, for me to come to a different place and to win that award was truly such an honor. And I think that there are so many opportunities out here, but I don't think the opportunities come to you. I think you have to work really hard and then they will. Yeah, I, I think that's a good point yeah. because... There are so many opportunities. I've been here for 14 years mm. and the work that I've been able to do, I never would have had that in the UK or mm. in, in Europe. Mm. And there's so many opportunities, but it's a lot of hard work as well. It's not something Usually. that you turn up. And I think some people think they turn up here, the roads are paved with gold and it's easy. It is not. <laughs> That's the clip for yeah. YouTube. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It is not paved with gold, but it is, you know, it, it's, such an interesting environment. I don't know if you found this, but I really like as well that it's so international yeah. that you meet people from all over the world. Your mm. customers are from mm. all over the world, which is really interesting. Definitely. And that can really help to influence product development. So obviously we know here in the UAE, there's like a huge issue with hard water. Yes. A lot of people, you know, from the UK or wherever they move here and they're like, oh, my hair's falling out. 
From a trichology perspective, hard water is the minerals attaching to your hair, which means that it's dry, it's brittle, and it's not able to absorb moisture. So when I was creating my most recent product, which is a scalp scrub, this is 100% natural. Even the beads are made of wood cellulose. So when you go under the water, you scrub your hair, they dissolve straight away. They don't get clogged in the sink. They don't get harming the coral reef or anything like that. Wow. And that was specifically designed to combat the problems of the UAE, of the Middle East. So is that product just available in the UAE as well? It's or? available internationally. And it's funny because when I launched it, uh, my oil has always been my best ally. I've got shampoo, conditioner, everything. And that was the first time that my oil got outperformed. And I was like having an identity crisis. I was like, am I not the oil girl anymore? <laughs> am I the scrub girl? But needs must. Yeah. You know? And so scrub is super, super popular. Yeah. Um, do you have do you have any other ones that are really popular with the, the local audience that you see yeah. here in the UAE more than the UK? Yeah. So we have a halal hairbrush. And I know a lot of people have just thought to themselves, how can a hairbrush be halal? We're not eating it. I've had that comment so many times. But it's made from vegan boar bristles. Not boar. Boar is a form of hairy pig, yes. which is obviously not allowed in this cult, in this religion. Yeah. Um, and a lot of people don't realize that their hairbrush is made using that. So ours is vegan, which means that it's appropriate for all types of people. Amazing. Because yeah. when you first said that, I was like, what? Is it like some other animal bristles? <laughs> <laughs> because it is, you do need to, it's funny that you, you wouldn't automatically think about that unless you're, you're vegan, right? right? And then when you're vegan, you look at the ingredients yeah. for everything. Yeah, and you were saying you're quite a strict vegan. Very strict yeah. vegan. Yeah. And uh, both my daughter and I are very strict vegans and it's from everything we put in our hair sure. to clothes that we wear to food that we mm -hmm. eat. Mm -hmm. And it's so nice to be able to have um, ranges of hair care that are vegan because there's not a lot out on the market. Definitely. Do you find that the culture in Dubai or in the UAE is moving towards a place of being interested in sustainability from 15 years ago? Oh, very much so. Right. Um, and I, I would say as well that, um, okay, 15 years ago, it wasn't really so much, so, of, right? so much of uh, an issue. You know, recycling wasn't really mm. here. I remember that I would actually pay for a company mm. to pick up my recycling because recycling didn't exist. And then all of a sudden, you know, there was recycling, there was recycling in the office, there was all of these green initiatives. Buildings need to be green. We need to yeah. have more walkways, public transport. So absolutely. And I think yeah. when it comes to products, people are yeah. very interested in that. Yeah. So I want to ask you, um, one thing you talk a lot about in business is failure and getting getting comfortable with uh, failure and talking about successes as well. I find that there's not a lot of real talk about failure and especially with, with women who are female entrepreneurs. I see mm -hmm. this a lot that people feel uncomfortable talking about when things haven't gone well, but you speak about that quite mm -hmm. a bit. What's mm -hmm. your, your view on that? I think because I was very, like I'm an influencer. So I have, I think 700,000 followers across Instagram and TikTok and I owe everything to my following. But yeah. because I was very raw and open about my journey from the beginning, you know, I couldn't really decide between a logo. I was asking people, I couldn't find a manufacturer. I was talking about the struggles of not being taken seriously, having like a young voice at the time I was 23 when I was launching. So that culture of honesty and the rawness of the business journey that I shared from day one, I think really helped to create this culture of my amongst my followers that 
it's not just 89,000 customers, it's 89,000 stakeholders. Yeah. We co-created this product and that's why I'm so keen to listen to people and have their feedback. And if I've done like, not necessarily done the option that served the majority of needs, I'm happy to hear that. So we've made many adjustments. And so you find as well that sharing all of that online that builds much more of a loyal following, I guess, that they're seeing your yeah. authentic journey. Because yeah. I, I hear a lot, and you probably hear this as well from your followers, that there's too much fakeness which is going on online. And I think that so many women feel that that they can't live up to that, that they see somebody who looks who looks right. perfect. And it's nice if you're able to go and share, I'm not perfect, I'm human, I right. make mistakes. Right, right. We, I will always remember this. I had like a very young girl that did my emails from the very beginning and that was a typo. And for me, I was like, oh no. But then I was like, let's make this an opportunity. Yeah. And then I screenshot the email, shared the typo. And I was like, hands up if you received the email and you found the typo, well done. Like we can hire you as like a spell checker or something yeah. like that. And I think people almost, it's, it's not cool to be perfect anymore. Yes. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. And I think that comes through not just with business, but even myself as an influencer. Like I yeah. very, I'm a strong advocate for not using filters where you can avoid them, making sure that you're not editing your photos where you can avoid it. And it might not mm. be something that every single person can adopt. And I don't think it's based off the way you look. I think it's based off your comfortability with yourself. Yeah. And I really hope that people will be able to move to that point, just seeing like, okay, cool, this girl, she hasn't done of those things. I haven't altered the way I look. So let me embrace the way that I look. That's naturally real talk. Yeah. yeah. But I find it interesting. I um, I love having the the conversations with my daughter who's 14 mm. because she, she spends a lot of time on social media and she'll show me different accounts and she's, she's interested in seeing entrepreneurship ones. Yeah. And there's a few she's looked at and she said, it looks too fake. Mm -hmm. um, it looks like that person isn't, real she's like mm. I would rather see things from people who look like they're a bit normal who look like they make mistakes who look like maybe they get a spot on their face once in a while and it's really nice that that it's moving towards that 100%. because as somebody and you're much more in social media than me but I feel a lot of times as well there's so much pressure mm. um pressure to look good pressure to um, to be curated. And mm -hmm. after a while I was like, I just can't keep up. Yeah. I'm not doing it anymore. Yeah. I don't blame me. <laughs> and then I've started doing, um, stories when I walk out of the gym and I'm all sweaty because sure. I'm like, Hey, I've got an idea. Mm. <laughs> I love that. I love that. And I think humans have a very, very high receptor to fakeness. We can really detect it in of the course. slightest of like blinks or facial body language or whatever it might be. Um, it's better to just be honest. Yes. Absolutely, be honest. Um, I would love to know as well from that, um, the difference between representation and comparison. So mm -hmm. a lot of women are going to to look at you and your incredible success. I mean, you got to seven figures in a year, which is incredible. Um, and look at that and go, but I can't do that. Mm. Um, how how can I do that? That's not possible for me. You know, I think we only have one story, which is our own. And as much as you can own your own story, I think that is your power. I see a lot of people coming online and they kind of like, I want to be a role model to young girls, but why? 
but what is your specific niche? But who are you trying to target? And I think leaning into what makes you different is going to help you target so many more people. I think people are scared to niche down because they're thinking. Yeah, they want right. to be they want to be like everybody else. Liked by everyone. Yeah. You know, the thing is, and I say this to our members all the time as well, like there's only one you, you know, it, it doesn't because also as well, people get concerned about having others copy them sure. or doing the same thing. And I said to them, how many people are there in this planet? It's better to be you and to be authentic with mm-hmm. who people are. Mm-hmm. Let your people find you yeah. and communicate with them and talk to them about who you are and what you care about and what your values are. Yeah. And this is so true. And even just speaking to my own, like my message is to be a, young, a role model to young girls that grow up without a mom and sisters. Most people on this earth have a mom. Most people on this earth have their sister or a sister. And I think that could have been really limiting to me if people didn't identify with the fact that it could be that your mom is just a lot older and she doesn't relate to you or your mom doesn't speak yeah. English or she works a lot or your sisters are very different in age to you. Um, but they were able to find me and then it happens like a snowball effect because I was true to my message from the beginning and I'm true to my message now. I think speaking to what you mentioned regarding people copying you, mm. I had that so badly. I had someone who copy and pasted my entire website to the point where even their terms and conditions yeah. mentioned my business name. Isn't it frustrating? Yeah. I had that happen with one of my other yeah. businesses as well. And I think especially with your When it's your first business, you feel so protective of it, right? Because it's your baby and you've done all of this hard work. But then you realize you're like, they can't do my stuff. They're not. I mean, their business doesn't exist anymore. So you took them down. No, did nothing. Yeah. They just didn't sell because it was just very odd. Yeah. Yeah. Um, And you're, you know, you're going to have that, right? So many people, we have this even with female fusion. Mm. There is like a new community, which prop pops up every single week right you know the the only thing you can do is go what are our values what are our mission what are we working towards and and there's also you like not everyone you can't copy what is the phrase like you can copy the sauce but you don't know the recipe something like that exactly yeah um but that's why it's important to to always be innovating mm. right like if you're if you're doing the same thing all the time Mm. then it makes it easier for people to copy you but if you have, you know, your playbook that you're thinking about and I'm creating this and we're doing this yeah. and we're doing that, that by the time, even if they catch up to where you are today, six months from now, you're so far ahead yeah. that they're not going to catch you. I completely agree. And like, they're always going to be the second. Speaking to what you said about how your brand is your baby, I think the biggest fallacy that people can fall into is that thought. I really believe that you need to look at your business like it's a external thing that you created I think as little emotion that you can put into it and just look at it objectively like this is a business when someone critiques by Aaron I really don't take it personally because I feel like that is something I created I can change it and if one day I'm selling it I'm not selling a part of me I'm not selling my child I'm selling a business that I created and I can go ahead and do that again if I want to yeah that's the biggest advice I would give actually and I think it it's so wise for you to say that because you are still quite new in the entrepreneurial game. And I think that probably took me about 10 years mm. with one of my businesses to really feel comfortable with that because it is, you put in so much love to that business, right? That yeah. it is part of you. And then after a while, you're like, no, 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 this is just at the end yeah. of the day, it's a business. Yeah. 
eventually that business is going to be sold. We all have to mm-hmm. have an exit plan mm-hmm. at some time for our business. Yeah. And I, I, I met one entrepreneur and she said to me, she's like, I'm never selling my business. I'm never going to exit. And I was like, yeah. um, <laughs> I think we're all going to exit this world at some right. time. <laughs> have we might want to have a plan. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you might want to get some money out of it so you could give it to, you know, whoever is going to sure. inherit from you afterwards. Yeah, 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 yeah. And what about as well, um, you must be such a role model for, um, for women of color. You were also talking as well about girls who maybe have lost their moms or don't have sisters. Um, how do you, do you have a lot of girls that are reaching out to you because of that and finally say, finally, I feel seen. I have something I can identify with. I mean, that would be the biggest honor if people saw me as a role model for women of color. I think I can only be who I am and I was born this way. Mm. Um, it wasn't a choice I made. And I think I don't really feel like I've seen a disadvantage in my in my life for being a person of color. And I really, really see that as a strength. And if my presence, even like I talk about Pandora, I'm the ambassador for Pandora in the UK. I've been it for three years. No one's ever been the same ambassador for three years with them. Wow, congratulations. Thank you. I'm so proud. And each year I see more and more, and Pandora is amazing for diversity, truly amazing. Mm. Every year I see more and more Asian women and Asian vendors that they're working with in their events, et cetera. And I'm like, maybe, because they had a good experience with me, maybe that opened the door even further into them exploring this community. And I really, really hope that any door that was left slightly ajar for me by one of my predecessors that I was able to kick down, I pray that women of color, especially in the South Asian community, are able to march through that door right behind me. And that has always been my mission. I think a lot of the time we were speaking about comparison earlier, people will sit there and be like, why does she walk through that door? And I didn't. And it's like, no, I walked through. So you can walk through now. Right. You know, you know, and we should all be lifting each other up anyways. I mean, I'm, I'm such an advocate of diversity. I mean, not only for for what I do for women, but also whatever we do needs to reflect the world Mm -hmm. that we sit in. And I feel so uncomfortable. Um, For example, if I go to a conference, I'm invited to speak at a conference. That's good. And I am surrounded by only white people that for me and I raised that one time actually with one conference organizer and they were like well we don't know anybody and I said but you know come on that's not that that's not an excuse that means that that world that you're in is only a certain and you're perpetuating it correct yeah and you see that not only publicly but also for things like um one big issue that we focus on a lot is things like getting access to procurement for Mm -hmm. women Mm -hmm. because one to two percent of procurement globally goes to women owned businesses which is like seriously yeah we're 50 percent of the world 50 percent of the world but then not only that if you think about that that one to two percent women how many of that goes to women of color Mm. or women of diverse mm-hmm, mm-hmm. diverse backgrounds or people who have disabilities yeah, yeah. and and this- diversity isn't always visible like we talk about neurodiversity as yeah. well and I think jumping off what you're saying like being an ally for this allyship is important but also I believe that companies should be held to a quantifiable amount and it's not necessarily it could be at the beginning that they are just filling the spaces. Okay, fine. You fill the space with someone, but then that's going to open up the door to them introducing you to the next person. Definitely. And it's no longer going to have to be a concerted effort. I see this a lot of the time with social media campaigns. 
I see that, you know, you'll speak to the girl that works for the company. Oh my God, I just follow, I just invited all the people that I like and I follow. Yeah. The people on your feed are people that look like you. Yeah. You need to go out of your way because that is structurally built into then the company. Whoever the girl is that runs the PR is influencing the overall diversity of the company. And I think it is really going to take an intentional, thoughtful, actionable effort in a strategic way for us to help raise the profile and the opportunities for not just women, but women of color. Yeah. No, across I, all spectrums of diversity. I, I agree with you because it is, it, it's, I think it's shameful when you mm. look at, yep. when you look at companies yep. and you see, you know, mainly white men where if there are women, there's no women of color mm -hmm. oftentimes. And it's, you know, even when we do things in female fusion, mm -hmm. for example, um, if we have companies come to us and say, we want you to choose 10 businesses to, you know, have whatever. For example, yeah. we had um, a company that came to us, a big marketing agency, and they said, we're going to do marketing plans for 10 female fusion businesses. Nice. And I was like, that's amazing, like, because they struggle so much with that. But I thought it's really important that everybody who gets chosen represents the entire community mm -hmm. and so it's not only um, ethnic diversity it's different types of businesses sure. not just like the big businesses it needs to be the small businesses yeah. because people need to see and be inspired by people who are like them because if you're constantly and it goes for everything if you're constantly seeing really big businesses championed you're like I'm never going to get there mm -hmm. or if you're seeing you know only white women mm -hmm. or you're going to think but that's not me. I mm -hmm. don't, I don't identify with that. It's really important that we think about that in everything that we communicate. Okay. Let's talk about social media really quickly, because that has played a really big role in your success and the growth of your brand. If you had to do it over again, would you do anything differently? No. Have you heard of the butterfly effects? Yes. Yeah. That like, imagine I didn't post that one selfie of me sat on a sofa. Would I be here? You never know. So no, I wouldn't. I just would say, I wish I knew what it was going to be like. Um, I was very lucky that I had a very slow and steady trajectory to Insta fame, if you want to, mm -hmm. whatever you want to call it. I how see. Long, how long did it take you? How many? Because I think sometimes as well, people get frustrated and they're like, mm. oh, I've been posting every day for six months sure. and I only have a thousand followers. Mm. How long did it take you to build that? Um, I've been on social media for seven years. Yeah. Yeah. And I've had spikes where I've gone viral and I've gained like a lump of followers, but it's always been very slow and steady. And I think now with the way that social media is, it's very op much optimized for you to grow followers when you go viral. Yeah. And especially TikTok. And I see very young people who do one thing, yeah. one simple thing, like maybe they like dyed their teeth purple. I have no idea what I just said, but yeah. <laughs> then they've gone viral because of that one teeth video. And now they are held to doing viral teeth videos. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? And how yeah. can you convert that into a career, into something beyond social media? Well, oftentimes as well, that, that people are just creating videos and not thinking of a strategy yeah. behind that. And you see, I was at a conference for digital creators earlier this oh, cool. year. And there were people who had like millions and yeah. millions of followers on different platforms, but they weren't making any money. Mm. And, you know, I, and one of the things that I was like, it's cool that you can make, the videos, but there needs to be a strategy behind it so you can monetize that right, as well. Right, right. And I think that comes down to like where you see enjoyment because I know many people who love to just create content because they really enjoy yeah. editing and the curation of a feed and stuff like that. And that's the where their enjoyment comes from. But 
I think when you get to a certain point on social media, we can touch, but I'm just saying it comes with negativity and you need to be willing to offset is the benefits greater than the negatives. Yeah. Yeah. So you also, as part of social media, that you also work with some of your customers as well and you highlight them on social media. Yeah. So every single advert I've done for Bayerum, like professional photo shoot for a launch, shampoo, conditioner, has always been featuring genuine customers and lovers of Bayerum. I think, you know, it's very easy to see. When you see an advert of a hair care brand, you're looking at the model. Does she really use that brand? And I think it's, you know... A lot of people who have amazing hair will approach me and they say, oh, I can be an ambassador for your brand. And I'm like, but do you use it? Because did you get amazing hair because of Bayerum or do you just have amazing hair and now you want to use it to promote Bayerum? Yeah. Um, so yeah, we always work with our customers, always post our customers, always use them as our models, always use genuine reviews before and afters, everything. And it goes back to that authenticity as well, Yeah. right? That people are going to want to buy Bayerum if... It works and yeah. they see that people are loving the, the brand as well. So for you, what's coming up next? So right now, um, as of December, we're going to be doing a free samples of the 15 milliliter oil okay. for Dubai. Um, completely free. They just have to pay for shipping and it's available on buyrm.ae. Okay. This is amazing. As I was speaking earlier about the hard water, people are going to be able to use this, replenish that moisture back to their hair. And this, this is a game changer. It really is. We've won so many awards in the UK. We're very proudly made in the UK as well. So I'm just waiting for people in Dubai to hear about it. And I just know. Exciting. I'm looking to, to dipping into that as well. Now yeah. that I know where I can get all of yeah. my vegan hair care products. <laughs> We got you. Got me. Um, thank you so much for sharing your story today and being on the podcast. Thank you so much. Thanks for listening to this week's episode of the podcast. If you want to be on top of the numbers in your business, why not download Female Fusion's SME dashboard? It is the exact dashboard that we use in Female Fusion to track all of our numbers, the financial numbers, the marketing numbers, customer service numbers. It really helps us stay on top of everything in the business. As I say, you can't grow what you don't know. So if you'd like to grab it, we've included a link in the show notes, or you can go to femalefusionnetwork.com forward slash SME hyphen dashboard. Now that might be a bit complicated, so just hop on over to the show notes and you can grab it from there.